while everybody's getting their seats, um, listen, enjoy today, right? Let's talk about the weather. Enjoy the break in the crazy hot temperatures. God, I wake up every morning already hot. I just, somebody said, what, what do you do after you get the mail? I take a shower. <laughs> it's awful. Okay, um, we're going to be in a lot of different verses today, so if you take notes, um, there'll be lots for you to write down. I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and turn to Psalm 68.6. That's going to be, really, that's the key verse that I want you to have this morning. We are doing week two of our At The Movies series. I, I said this at the beginning last week. I won't take as long this week, but just in case this is your first time with us, I want you to know this. Um, we're not just like one of those churches that wants to make it super fun for you. I mean, we do want you to enjoy being here, but we also want you to walk away with truth. So we're not doing at the movies because we want to be like sensitive to you. Make sure you have a good church experience. We're doing at the movies because stories are powerful. And sometimes we connect with things when we see them that like we wouldn't have ever connected with any other way. I know in my own life there have been times I've gone to church I've heard a, a sermon, and I've thought, that was pretty good. And then I've gone and, like, watched a TV show or I've seen a movie, and I've seen just a scene in that movie and thought, that's what the pastor was talking about, right? You know, like, it just connects because it engages our senses. And so what I love about Jesus, and, you know, obviously, we, you know, church, churches will get a lot of a slack nowadays because, like, you know, people say you're not deep. I always chuckle at that because I think those people would really struggle with Jesus, right? When he pulled up the mustard seed and said, look at this little tiny seed. And they'd be like, seriously, Jesus, a seed? We see this stuff all the time. Give us something deep, right? And so Jesus uses common things to tell us uncommon truth. He uses the things that we see all the time, and I love that about Jesus. And I have prayed that from the beginning, and I recognize it's not everybody's style, but I, I've always prayed, God, just help me, help me just connect everyday things that all of us see back to the gospel. Because if we can connect a gas pump to the gospel, how often do you get gas? Right? And every time you pull that nozzle out and you put it in your car and you pull that handle up, and you, of course now you start praying because it's so expensive, right? <laughs> but if nothing else, do we not now see how valuable the power of God is? The fuel that he puts in us is valuable. It's worth a lot. That's, that was totally free. But you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, my heart as a pastor is to connect common things to uncommon truth. And it changes our lives. It changes our perspectives. And so that's why we're doing this series. Um, I, I told somebody, um, they were like, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. July's my favorite month. I love this series. I love to just watch light bulbs go off and, like, people go, I've seen that movie before, but I never noticed that, right? Anyway, Instant Family, that's our, that's our movie today. Uh, again, I'm just curious. How many of you have ever seen the movie Instant Family? Okay, ten of us, great. Okay, the rest of you are going to be like, I'm going to watch it today. Well, eight minutes worth today, right? You'll be watching the eight minutes that have no cussing today. If I edited well, right? If I edited well. By the way, I'm just going to take a quick detour. The first time I ever really started using movie clips, I was a youth pastor. How many of y'all are like, of course you were. And I showed Dumb and Dumber. 
And th- this is a fun story. It has nothing to do with anything, but just get humor me for one second. Just eat your popcorn, and we'll be good. Um, but this was back when you had VHS tapes, remember? And so I had, you know, I had this thing queued up, and it was, gr- it was a great service. Um, <laughs> I got in so much trouble, but there was a lot of fruit from it. And so the scene I was showing was, um, if you've seen Dumb and Dumber, it's a scene where the character is using the bathroom and the toilet breaks. Right? You've seen this? And so I queued that thing up. And I told our team in the back, I said, okay, just let's show that clip. What, what I love about digital video clips is that they don't go backwards before they start to play forwards. And if you remember that with VHS tapes, like you would set it, but then it would like just, I don't know why it does that, but it would just go back like 10 seconds. And then I guess it's tightening the tape. I don't know. And then it would go forward. And so they hit it right on the scene where he's sitting on the toilet with no, I mean, just all you see is his, like his bare leg all the way down. And I was just like, I'm going to turn my resignation letter in right now. You know, like, it just, sometimes you can run into stuff. Like, you, you know, we try to edit out the things, and I'm pretty sure I got rid of all the language. You know, I'm, I'm becoming a master at that, right? So um, the, the eight minutes that you'll see today is just, they're, they're great. If you've not seen the Instant Family movie, let me give you just a quick synopsis, and then we're going to jump into four points and four clips. It's a, a, a middle-class, well-to-do couple, white couple, who decides they're going to foster. I'm, anybody here ever done foster care? I, I, my, my family did foster care, right? So that's a, it's a huge step. And so they step into foster care, but they kind of stepped into it with the wrong motive. Like, we're going to do something good for somebody, right? Um, and it's, we have a lot to offer, and it's going to be super fun and super easy, and these people are going to love us. And they just wanted to foster one child but that child had two siblings and so they got three siblings at one time that's why it's called instant family they went from two income middle class white family to family of five right and so the first clip that we're going to watch um don't play it yet is going to be um one of the first family dinners that they have and um it's i just want you to see that um sometimes family's messy Here's the verse that I want you to memorize today. Psalm 68, 6 says this, that God sets the lonely in families. He sets the lonely in families. Now, I want to um, navigate this, make sure I do this correctly, right? Because I loved what you were saying, cut right about, you know, we sometimes lose me in the us. Um, they're both true, right? God sees me and loves me, but he doesn't see me and love me and leave me alone. He then places me in families. He's always, he loves the lonely individual, and he loves them so much that he doesn't leave them lonely. He sets them in family. Now, I'm just being very honest and very transparent. You feel free to raise your hands. Let my honesty lead lead the way to your freedom. Does anybody feel like Christianity would be so much easier without other people? Raise your hand. It's like some, there are days, right? Am I, am I doing, am I, there are days when it's just like I used to, it used to be so popular for pastors to get with pastors, and they would try to sound cool by saying things like, ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. And I was always the guy that said, then you should go get a different job because ministry is people. <laughs> like that, that's the whole point, right? Like if it's driving you crazy, leave. We, we can't just separate and serve Jesus. 
He did not call us to live by ourselves, die by ourselves. He placed us in family. And we love that, yes? Like if I say God loves you and he wants to place you in a family and you're not alone, we'd all be like, yeah, 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 love that. Until it gets messy. And then we're like, maybe he put me in the wrong family. I don't know, right? So I want you to feel the pain of this first clip, and then we'll talk through it. Go ahead and roll that, Russ. Uh, welcome to the family. <laughs> Again, we want to romanticize sometimes the family of God. And I want to make it very clear. I say this all the time. You can be in a room by yourself and have conflict. Because up here, right? You'll disagree with yourself. You'll have an argument with other people up in your head. All it takes is one breathing person to have conflict. Now, 100 people, 200, 300, you think there's going to be some conflict? Yeah, so let's don't spiritualize ourselves and say, well, if you really love Jesus, you'll all just get along and sing Kumbaya. That's not how this works, right? So if that's what you're looking for, you're going to be looking a long time. It's called heaven, right? In heaven, although kind of hoping we don't sing Kumbaya, but maybe a, maybe a different song like Lion by Elevation, right? That would be cool. Um, in heaven, we'll all get along because we'll see Jesus fully, right? Like the, but here on earth, y'all, just, just to, I, I thought I need to have a verse to share with you to show you how conflict is normal in the church. God, what is the verse that you want me to share? And he was like, the New Testament? You know, every epistle written in the New Testament was written because of a problem. Two believers, they were either fighting for pure doctrine or they were telling each, tell, he was telling them to stop fighting. Have you read 1 Corinthians? There's a reason the love chapter's in there. They needed it. Like every single one. And so Acts 15, if you just want a chapter to put down, just, just write down Acts 15. Go home today, read the whole chapter. And basically what happened as the early church was growing, it was Jews, and then suddenly Gentiles, and if you're not a, well, if you're not a Jew, and I'm assuming you're probably not, you are a Gentile. We're Southern Gentiles, amen for that, right? But we are Gentiles. We were brought into the family, and it caused problems for the early church, because the Jews, they were trying to figure out, like, we, they had all these regulations that they were used to having to do, and they were trying to figure out, like, do we still have to do those and then to the Gentiles that are coming in who never had to do that, should we make them do that? And I think that they had a moment where they were a little cynical, and they were like, you know what? Let's just make them get circumcised. We'll make that the one thing. That'll drive them away for sure, <laughs> right? Like sometimes we make it hard for people to come into the body. And so Acts chapter 15 is when the church leaders got together and they tried to figure out what do we do with the Gentiles? And my whole point here is just that family can be messy from time to time. And, and it seems like the longer that we serve Jesus, the long, well, the longer that we get churched, the more sanitized we get and the less, the less capacity we have for the mess. Does that make sense? What, the first church I ever youth pastored in was in Columbia, South Carolina. And I'll never forget the, um, the, the couple that cleaned the church they got so tired of the messes that the youth group would make. 
and I was the youth pastor, so I took it personally. I was probably the one making the mess, but they went downstairs into the, the bathroom where we had youth in the basement, and they put up signs that basically said, do not make scuff marks on the floor. Like, I had, I had kids coming from outside the church, you know, like wearing black sneakers, and like, you, you just, it doesn't take much to just do that, and you've got a scuff mark. And I, I remember walking in there, seeing that sign, and I was just like, I just pulled it down, ripped it up, threw it in the trash. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's, it's their job to come in and make a mess, and it'll be our job to help clean that mess up. People are welcome here when they make a mess. That's why we have concrete floors, right? Spill your coffee. Join the club. Make a mess. And that's just physical mess. Can I just say, your mess is welcome here. At the same time, your mess drives people crazy. And so does mine. Like, messes drive us crazy, especially how many of you are married to somebody who, like, cannot handle a mess, right? Like, if something like that, they're still shaking from the clip, right? <laughs> like, that was stressing me out. You were like, I don't know what that ketchup was about, but I would be divorcing my husband if he did that, right? It's like, this, some people just, it's the mess just, ugh. But your mess is still welcome here. Because all of us are messy. Family gets messy. It's so good to be in the family, but sometimes it's messy. Let's just, um, you're going to watch the second clip, and here's what's going to happen. Um, you know, we've skipped ahead in the movie, obviously, and they're starting to feel like they really want to maybe have the, the kids be a part of their family, but the older daughter is really pushing back on it. And so we're going to pick this up as the daughter is getting ready to go out with some friends when the mom and dad, the foster parents don't want her to go, and we'll just pick it up from there and see what happens. John 13, 35 says this. By this, everyone, how many? Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's something about being accepted and loved that changes us, yes? And what I love about that clip is you see this girl who's like, tell me why you want to have us in the home, and they don't have an answer. And it's just the, in the very crisis, she observes how this man and woman care for somebody that she loves. And you can even see it on her face, right? Like it just begins to shift a little bit. Like, wait a second, they really love my brother. Like maybe there's something to this. Now, if you've seen the movie, you know that even at that point, it hasn't completely changed, right? There's still some stuff to push back against because here's the thing. When you're loving somebody through a mess, they really don't believe you love them. And we, we have this sign out in our hall that says the message is greater than the mess. We believe it fully. Some people just can't believe that you could love them as messy as they are. So when the Bible says that they'll know that you are my disciples by the way you attend church and read the Bible and memorize Scripture and hold up a sign that tells them they're going to hell. The world's seen that. And not one thing that I just said individually is a wrong thing. But it's not the proof that, that we're his disciples. That the proof is that we love one another because at the end of the day people already know that they're a mess 
What they don't know is, if, is there a place where I can bring my mess and be accepted and be loved? Three statements that we, we say quite a bit around here are come as you are, become more than you were, and go farther than you ever dreamed possible. So I, I want to, hey, you're welcome here. Bring your mess in here, right? We love you. You're welcome here. But it doesn't stop there, right? Love doesn't stop there. Love says, but you can become more than what you think you are. You, you might, you, we're not just going to love you in, your, in the identity that you've chosen because that might be a wrong identity. We're going to love you as you are, and then we're going to point you to truth. And that truth is going to set you free. You're going to go farther than you ever dreamed possible. That's love, right? That's what he calls us to do. And in our, in our third clip, what you're going to see is that that begins to kind of start chipping away at this older daughter she starts to like she's pushing back a little bit like wait how can this kind of love even be possible so we're gonna she has called her she has called her birth mom and i'm just giving you the background and and she's expecting the birth mom to come and pick up her and her kid her and her brother and sister and we're gonna pick it up where the social workers come to give her the news that the mom's not coming some of you are like i'm gonna watch that movie it's really good he sets the lonely in families. I, when, I, when I watch that clip, what I think about is, and, and if, you've, if you've spent any time with people that are in messes, I mean, and I'm not saying that like I'm never, I'm, we're all at some point in a mess, but at some point, do you recognize that the past that people are familiar with begins to be a little bit more appealing than a future that they're not? Right, like, I want to go back to my mom. I, I like the love here, but I think I might get let down if I'm in this love. I think I'd rather go back to the letdown that I'm familiar with. And I think sometimes in church that happens, doesn't it? I heard John Bevere say this one time, and it helped me understand so much because how many of you, well, don't raise your hand. We've all been let down by believers, yes? Right? And I hear that all the time. Like, I would go to church, but it's full of hypocrites, and you know, I'm like, yes, I, I know, that's a good thing, right? We should all be together. But then, like, if you push in on that, what they're saying is, no, I, I expected more from the believer, and I, and I got less. And that hurt me. That's a real hurt, right? The world never lets me down, they'll say. And John Bevere made this, he, he showed this one time, just, it really set me free. And he said, look, when people are not a Christian, your, your expectation of them is here. It's very hard to be disappointed when the, when the expectation is that low. But when they come to know Jesus, your expectation of them goes up here. And there's a lot more room to be let down. Right? This is why people get offended. Well, you're a Christian. You're supposed to. Well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to. Well, you're a whatever you're supposed to. And all they're trying to do is get back to the, get back to the path that they're familiar with. Well, I'll go hang out with my friends who aren't Christians because at least I can trust them. Yeah, you can trust that they'll have a very low level of ever satisfying your expectation. Like, there's a vulnerability in stepping into a future where you might be hurt and you might be let down, where you might not be the only one in a mess, but you might find out that the people who are trying to help you also have a mess. I mean, have we not noticed that in the last three years, right? We're so quick to judge because we're hurting, but we're judging people who were also hurting, It's good to have a place 
But it requires effort to stay in that place. So being in a family leads to accountability. It leads to new standards, doesn't it? Like suddenly somebody expects something of us as well. But I love this. And just know this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 says, But in fact, God has placed, and that word for placed means to arrange. He's building something. He's placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He's put you in a place. And I'm going to tell you right now, here's just a statement, okay? The local body, and that means the six, we are a local body, right? The gathering is a local body. We're an expression of the greater church. The local body is weakened when people abandon their places. The local body is weakened when people abandon their places. It just got too hard. And what you're saying is, you got to know me at my messy place. And I'm not sure I want to stay somewhere where people really know me. So I'll go to another place where they don't know me. And when they get to know me, I'll go to another place. Listen, I, I might be too simplistic. I probably am. But I hear, I've heard so much talk about how I wish the church was like the church in Acts. And I'll say to Wendy, well, the reason why the church was strong in the book of Acts, yes, Pentecost and the power of the Holy Spirit definitely has a lot to do with that. But can we just, like, break it all the way down to a place where all of us can feel uncomfortable? Are you all okay with this? Are you good? I told you family's messy, right? Like, I don't know if I want to be in a church where the pastor says this kind of stuff. The reason the church grew in Acts is because they, weren't, they didn't have the capability to get in a car and drive past 10, 15, 20 churches to go to one that they like. They had to meet locally in homes with people that they liked on Monday and didn't on Tuesday. They were forced into community. And we choose to drive out of it. We'll never have an Acts experience as long as church is based on our preference. But he places us in family and he says, I've arranged you in the body. And so what I love about the, the three families that stand up here is like, we're not saying, hey, welcome to the perfect place. We're saying, hey, it's good to have you join us, our, our, our big bunch of crazy, right? Like, well, we just want to figure it out together. And do you know what's happening right now all across America? Is churches are getting smaller and stronger. Because we're like, ooh, we better figure this out because we're going to need each other. And it's going to get harder. And when we face suffering, I want to know that I can trust the person on my left to still be there when we're suffering. Right? And it's making the church strong. And that's the love that overcomes the hesitation. And I recognize the hesitation, right? Like stepping into this unknown, like what if Mike lets me down? I was going to say, forget the what if. Like, when we let each other down, right? We don't want to feel that. And so we stay away from it. But I just want you to know this, man. Family is messy, but family is worth it. 
We're going to watch our last clip, and then um, we'll wrap it up. And this, of course, is going to be the clip that makes everybody cheer. But here's your, here's your idea, the big idea for today. Please write this down. God doesn't foster. He adopts. He's not giving us a trial. He's giving us a family. And when the people of God look like God, they'll stop fostering in church. I don't mean literally fostering. Fostering is a good thing. I'm just saying, like, we'll stop. I'm trying it out. See if I like it. Oh, I got too messy. I'm going to back out. God went all in on you. Right? Mess and all, y'all. He went all in on us. He doesn't foster. He adopts. Watch this last clip, and then we'll bring this thing to an end. He doesn't foster, he adopts. A couple verses for you. John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him. Um, if you watch the movie, we won't show you the, the last scene, but at the end, the last scene when they're in family court, um, the, the first thing the judge does, and I'm assuming this happens, the first thing the judge does is he asks the children, do you want to be in this family? And, of course, they all say yes, because it would be a horrible ending to the movie if they said no. I just want you to notice what it says, yet to all who did receive him. We have to receive this. God can, he can offer the family all day long, y'all. He's a good God, and he will do that. But at some point, we have to say, yes, I receive that. And to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, our receiving opens the door to our rights as sons and daughters. We could talk all day long. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. But, like, if we don't receive it, we have no rights. Romans 8, 15, the spirit you received, there's that word again, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you, there's that word again, received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. The, the name that that character was hesitant to ever say about a, a man on this planet. You can just see as you watch the movie, she's a, I'm not sure I want to call anybody dad because the only person I knew that had, if I even knew that person, let me down. So I, I recognize that when we talk about Abba, Father, man, the fathership of God can open up so many wounds for people in the church. We live in a fatherless generation, y'all. There's a lot of wounds attached to that word. And I recognize that. What I love about God is that God knows that his fathership is so much better than anything we've ever known on this earth that he doesn't go, well, I'll just change my title so you feel better. He says, how about you let me show you the love of a father like you've never known? That'll be so deep and so powerful that it'll actually trans, trans, it'll, it'll transform your life in such a way that you won't be content to just let me call myself father, but you'll begin to say, Abba, Father. You'll attach a painful term to somebody who's not causing you pain. That's the family that you and I have been brought into into it's messy 
It's hard. There are opportunities all the time for us to step out. But if we will push in, then the love that we have for one another actually shows the world that we're his disciples. It's a family that is worth it. And I will say just as a family, having come from a family where my mom and dad fostered and adopted, there's not a, a more beautiful picture of the gospel than adoption. Somebody who has no business being in the family. And yet my mom and dad said, we'll take, a, we'll take on all of the expense to bring this person into our family. And we will recognize that she will from time to time do things because of the baggage that she had. And she will blame her brother Paul for those things. And this is being recorded so she can hear this. We just had to work through the mess. Because when you're not used to having a family and then suddenly you have a family, guess what? You don't trust it. So I expect people that don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus and then step into a body full of people who know Jesus and not trust it. And it's where our love gets to prove to them that it's legit. That he really does love you. And he can love you through me and you can love me as well. Let's close with this verse. You know what? Let's stand up and read this. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it over you, and um, then I'll pray. I told you at the beginning of this message that I believe that God wanted us to contend because today is the day of salvation, and I truly believe that. And when we get done with this, and I say amen, and people go out to eat whatever popcorn and whatever amazing food our hospitality team has prepared for us, when people turn this off on YouTube, here's what I want. If you want to pray today to receive Jesus, I'm, I'm going to just hang out at the front. You just come grab me and say, I want to do that thing you said, right? And we'll pray for you to be in the family of God because we need you. We need you. We don't need people that look like me. I mean, we do need people that <laughs> look like me, but we need a variety of people in this place. What, what, one of the... One of the one of the words that's been spoken of our church and was even delivered at Encounter last year is that God, God sees our heart for a multi-ethnic expression of the gospel. Which means we believe it's no accident when people that look different than me walk in the door and go, I want to be here. And I'm just like, come and bring all your friends, right? Like, and here's why. Because this is the family that God is building. And we'll close with this, Revelation chapter 7. Verses 9 and 10. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lord. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hand, and they were shouting with a great roar. Don't miss this, church. People who looked different, dressed the same, they said the same thing. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. I want to pray over us this morning. I'm going to be very transparent with you. What I pray, I'm going to pray over you what I pray in my prayer closet all the time. God, Revelation 7, 9 and 10. Let's be now what will be then. Right? I want to, I want to be in a church that looks like our city. I actually go into my prayer closet with the percentages of the demographics of races in our city. And I tell God, God, for every 100 people in my church, 
I want to have 14 that look like this. I want to have 60 that look like this. That's my prayer. Will it make you uncomfortable? I hope so. I hope that we can become a church where you can like 70% of what we do. I hope you struggle with the other 30. I long for the day that we have a song up here and people are like, I feel like I was in a black church. Yes, you did. And it was amazing. Right? Or we're like, white people don't know how to clap. <laughs> or where I start dancing and y'all are like, oh, Paul, no. You are, no. Don't dance, right? I want that uncomfortability, y'all. Because that says to our city that the kingdom of God can look like you. And there's a place for you in the kingdom of God. So I'm going to pray that over you. Now, what you do with it, that's on you, Right? But I know that our receiving of the truth is what gives us the right to live in the truth. And I'm praying that you would receive it and be a part of that kind of a family. So right now, would you, would you, if you're willing with your eyes closed, just put your hands out. Just like you're going to receive it. And Father, I just pray right now an anointing on the gathering. That you have, you have spoken to me in private and you have declared it at Encounter last year in public. God, I know that it is your heart. Your heart, God, is that the gathering literally would look like heaven. That, and, and, and I thank you, even as I'm praying now, I'm remembering back in the coffee shop, God, when somebody invited a friend to come to church, and their friend was like, what is it like? And they were told, I, I, I don't know, I, it just looks like heaven. That is what I pray, God, in increasing amounts of glory in this place. That you would open our hearts to receive people who are in messes, who desperately need to be loved, and who make it hard to love them. That you would give us the grace for one another when we let each other down. And I pray that you would deliver us from the, the name of this movie, that we would stop thinking it's instant family. God, this is a process. We are instantly in the family, but for the rest of our lives, we have to work it out. And I pray, God, that you would give us people at the gathering who would be shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, band of brothers and sisters who refuse to walk away when it's hard. And who allow others to love them in those hard places. I believe, God, that that will be the greatest testimony to our city of who you are. It will show them that you are our Lord and we are your disciples. And for anybody who's watching today, anybody in this place today who doesn't know Jesus like that, who isn't following Jesus, who is not in the family of God, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Right now is the appointed time for them. Not tomorrow, not even tonight at the pool, but today, right now, I pray that they would say yes to Jesus and choose to be a part of a family that is real, and passionate about you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 All right.